But I see history as a book with many pages, and each day we fill a page with acts of hopefulness and meaning. Winds change, pages turn. Such is the tide of history. President George H.W. Bush knew that. In fact, the words you heard are from his inaugural address, January 20, 1989. That turned page marked the start of his presidency. As word spread of Mr. Bush's death at the age of 94, we set out to see what we could find from the pages of Eyes of Texas past. This podcast is rooted in the history of its long-standing television predecessor, a show hosted for many years by KPRC-TV anchor Ron Stone. So surely with such a legacy, the Eyes of Texas had a story. Today, you'll hear what we uncovered from the Eyes of Texas archive. The Eyes of Texas. Back then, Ron Stone shared what was to come on the episode. And a visit with a man who knew George Bush would be president before George Bush did. This week on the Eyes of Texas. I'm Brandon Walker. Today on the podcast, that story of politics, predictions, and a Texas boy who believed Mr. Bush would one day be president, 25 years before he moved into the White House. Ron Stone introduced viewers to another Ron, Ronald Wade, and his unique political collection in Longview, Texas, just a few months after President Bush's inauguration. Here's that story from April 8th, 1989. Hello, buddy. Welcome to this week's edition of the Eyes of Texas. I'm Ron Stone. And on today's program, we're going to spend some time inside visiting a collector who may have more George Bush material than anyone else. Let's start in Gregg County where Ronald Wade has turned a fascination with George Bush's political career into an obsession. You're a source of my strength, and this is a moving night for all of us. People would laugh at you now if you said that you thought a person was going to be president someday 25 years ago, but I had a feeling uh, that George Bush was going to go some places. And I saved every little piece of paper, every little item that had anything to do with George Bush, and have every year since 1964. It was a long way from the mid-60s to the late 80s. It's more than just a quarter of a century. For George Bush, it marked the transition from loser to winner. And Ron Wade was there all the time. I was 13 years old, and we were in my hometown of Gelmer, Texas, and George Bush was a candidate for United States Senator in 1964 against Ralph Yarbrough. He came through Gilmer, and I was manning the little Republican headquarters, which was really a first for us in, uh, here in East Texas since we were not, not many Republicans around at that time. Fortunately for me, uh, he was stranded there in Gilmer, and we spent several hours together, and it was so impressive to me that he would spend literally a, uh, several hours sitting down just with a couple of kids uh, interested in what we had to say, and uh, it made such an impression on me that I've been dedicated to him ever since then. Hey, it's Brandon jumping in once more to connect a dot or two. Since this is originally a video story, sometimes the words don't fully explain what you're hearing. Ronald Wade is being interviewed by the Eyes of Texas crew in a room at his house, all decked out in George Bush memorabilia. He's standing in front of a wall display. It looks more like a shrine to the then-new president. No candles for this one, per se, but buttons. Hundreds of buttons, and they blanket a blue backdrop, each paying homage to President Bush. 
One read experienced Bush, another Christians for Bush. There was veterans for Bush and kiss me. I'm for Bush. Above all, Mr. Bush's campaign sign, Bush 88, perched high atop a wall in Ronald Wade's home. Back to the story and Ronald Wade, who fills us in. Basically, what we have here is just a few little buttons that we had uh, issued in 1988. I've collected buttons myself since I was 10 years old back in the 1960 campaign. To tell you the truth, I remember when I was six years old wearing an I Like Ike button. And uh, in fact, uh, amazing as it may seem, that's my first memory that I, I have in life is wearing an I Like Ike button. Ron's primary political passion is George Bush, but he has collected buttons and other campaign memorabilia from both sides of the political fence starting with an Abe Lincoln button from the campaign of 1864. Politician dolls are big collector's items, and they're not always flattering. Ron even has one of Richard Nixon in the frying pan. The interesting thing about it is that's an actual frying pan. Ron's wife is not the political memorabilia enthusiast that he is. Two in the same family would probably drive them out of house and home. As far as I know, um, I have the probably the largest uh, Bush collection of memorabilia outside the Bush family, and maybe a little bit larger than, than theirs. You'll find the names of some well-known Democrats in Ron's collection, but there is no doubt which party is near and dear to Ron's heart. If it has George Bush's name on it, and it is collectible, the chances are Ron has it, or is at least trying to get it. This was one of the thousand points of light from the inaugural. At the uh, opening ceremony, well, they gave these out to all the individuals there, and then at a certain time, well, then they turned their, their thousand point of light on, which made it a, a very interesting special effect. And by the end of this story, there is a shot of Ronald Wade holding that flashlight, one of thousands given out during the inauguration, a symbolic tie to the famous words delivered during then-Vice President Bush's speech accepting the presidential nomination at the 1988 Republican National Convention in New Orleans. Mr. Bush's speech read, quote, A brilliant diversity spread like stars, like a thousand points of light in a broad and peaceful sky. Mr. Bush there that night in New Orleans describing the spirit of America's respect for volunteerism and helping others. Points of Light would later become the name of Mr. Bush's foundation, which honors those who dedicate their life to serving others, just as he did. Ron Wade remained loyal to Bush 41 over the years, by the way. We connected with him the day before he was traveling to Houston for President Bush's funeral. He told us he still remembers doing that story for the Eyes of Texas TV show some 30 years ago. While he didn't have the same kind of collection, Ron Stone himself had a special relationship with the 41st president. His son, Ron Stone Jr., shares that next on The Eyes of Texas. I reported from the gathering spot for attendees the morning of President Bush's private funeral service in Houston. More of a celebration of life than it was a funeral. Amazing grace. Still sad, but overall joyous. The sound that saved Likely, the reason why had much to do with how family and friends of the president described him. In Washington, during his eulogy, eldest son, Bush 43, said dad taught him, brothers Jeb, Neil, Marvin, and sister Dorothy, how to grow old with dignity, humor, and kindness. 
seems the recipe for a life well lived. That's what friends of Mr. Bush told me, at least, outside the buses that shuttled them to the funeral. It's what Mr. Bush taught them, too. Same goes for those who got to know the president through the pages of their reporter's notebook over the years. Hello, buddy. I'm Ron Stone. Including a man who, like President Bush, needs no introduction. For two decades, Ron Stone called KPRC home, and for much of that time... We have a little musical treat for you now as we head to Austin County. Mr. Stone traveled Texas, taking his audience with him as host of the Eyes of Texas. Special anniversary to mark on the Eyes of Texas. Viewers cherished Mr. Stone's way with words. How he told a story never got in the way. It wasn't about him. I mean, who likes a braggadocious anyway? Like President Bush, Mr. Stone has passed away. Died in 2008. Brandon, it's Ron. Greetings, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. I called his son, Ron Stone Jr., over in New Orleans to talk more about President Bush and Ron, two adopted Texans who, turns out, developed quite the relationship over time, starting with an assignment in the early 1960s, just as George Bush entered local politics in Harris County. And there were some local elections coming up, and he was asked to do the general kind of roundup of who's on the ballot and what are the chances of victory for one candidate or another. And so he he told his news director, well, I'm going to interview this new Republican Party chairman, this fellow named George Bush. And the response of his boss was, why bother? The man and the candidate. As a father and a family man, I know you and I share a lot of worries about the future of our state and nation. Mr. Bush there in a campaign ad from 1964. Texas swung Democratic at the time, but the seeds had been planted for political ideology, how one thought, believed, identified in their politics, to blow up. George Bush saw it that way, despite the climb achievement would demand. Because literally at that time... A Republican couldn't get elected dog catcher in Harris County. It was it was a pervasive Democratic area. But Dad felt, look, uh, this is my job as a journalist. I need to be fair to all sides. And so he called George Bush, who was startled when he got a call from a TV reporter. He said, I'm surprised no one else has reached out to me. And so Dad, according to Ron Stone Jr., was the first TV reporter to profile the man who, nearly a quarter century later, would become president. And from that start, they developed this long-lasting mutual admiration and even affection for one another. And over the years, my father covered uh, uh, George Bush as a congressman, then later as an ambassador, CIA, then all the way, of course, to vice president and president. It wasn't that the two were buds, per se, according to Ron Stone Jr. It's just that they respected one another. And here's Dad, an Oklahoman who moved to Texas, and George Bush, a New Englander, who moved to Texas, and they both were really excited about this place that they had come to call home, and they wanted to know more about it. And I think that curiosity about their adopted state was fed by both, and they, they enjoyed that. They really, really did. I read someone who, who said that it, it's, it's highly likely that George H.W. Bush would not have become the 41st president of the United States had he not moved to Texas when he did because of how Texas helped shape him. Your dad ever talk about that and the, the impact Texas had on shaping the personality of George H.W. Bush? He did. Um, dad was really struck by 
some of the uh, the coverage that Bush would get in a national sense when he ran for president that he was somehow posing as a Texan or you know he's a New Englander in in Texas clothing and it's like they 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 don't fundamentally get it when he came to Texas he completely subsumed himself in Texas culture and uh dad saw him as a very authentic Texan and like so many people in Houston my dad included, in the mid to late 20th century, he was somebody who came from someplace else. President Bush and Mr. Stone would cross paths quite a bit over the decades. Interviews, philanthropic efforts, and through it all, Ron Stone Jr. says, President Bush never forgot those early days when Ron Stone introduced him to Houstonians on the small screen. They were certainly people that liked one another's company and respected each other. And, um, it even extends to an invitation Dad received one year when President Bush was in the White House to come for a White House Christmas reception. And my father and mother flew to Washington, D.C. They were very excited and in this long receiving line. And the President and Mrs. Bush are perfunctorily greeting people. And all of a sudden, out of the corner of his eye, President Bush spotted my dad. And he actually got excited. And he goes, Barr, look, it's Ron. Ron came. And when mom and dad told the story later, they were both really startled, like, isn't it amazing that the president of the United States was actually excited that we came to the White House uh, for this Christmas party? Ron Stone retired from the anchor desk in September of 1992, just two months shy of when Bill Clinton defeated George Bush. Both Mr. Bush and Mr. Stone would communicate over the years, though. The president even requested that Mr. Stone serve as master of ceremonies during the dedication of a statue of him put up in downtown Houston. Four years after that, Ron Stone died, May of 2008. Cancer was to blame. One week before his death, Ron Stone was ailing. He was bedridden. But the phone rang. Happened to be the last phone call Ron Stone would take. And the president was so lovely because he he knew dad was dying, but at the same time he wanted to offer, you know, hope and and show his affection for dad. And uh, so he said, you know, Ron, you're going to lick this thing, and I can't wait for you to get better. Uh, Bar and I are going to bring you to uh, Minute Maid. We're going to watch the Astros play. and, And I'm telling you, it meant the world to my dad. And And after that phone call was over, uh, Dad said, can you believe a, 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 a little kid from Oklahoma getting a call from the President of the United States? I mean, it was really, really um, very touching. President Bush called Ron Stone Jr. too after the funeral. First, he apologized for not being able to attend. But the very next thing he said is, I loved your father. But then again, everybody in Houston loved your father, which was a beautiful thing to say, but I think it spoke to the fact that that President Bush saw in my father many of the things that Dad saw back in him, which happened to be humility and civility and intellect. When he said, I really love your father, I got really choked up. And there was a catch in his voice, too, um, as our conversation continued and I thought wow you know this is this is the real deal this is not just someone thinking they they have to do a contractual obligation phone call to somebody he's doing this because he genuinely wants to that's who he was Bush 41 part of the greatest generation this Houstonian 
who led the free world, say those who knew him, with a life's philosophy centered on one simple request. Be kind to others. And so today a chapter begins. A small and stately story of unity, diversity, and generosity, shared and written together. Thank you. God bless you. And God bless the United States of America. Our thanks to Ron Stone Jr. for taking a trip back down memory lane with us as we remember President George H.W. Bush. By the way, if you'd like to see Ron Stone's story of Ronald Wade and his collection of Bush mementos, we've posted it for you on our website. Click to Houston.com slash Eyes of Texas. I'm Brandon Walker. Many thanks for listening. Be sure to join us next time as we go traveling Texas together. <laughs>